I'd like to welcome everyone this morning. Uh, special welcome to any visitors that we have. I see some faces that are not uh, as familiar as uh, some of the rest, so we're happy to have you as our guests, and uh, please uh, stay around for a few minutes. Afterward, let us uh, introduce ourselves, get to know you, and welcome you uh, officially to, uh, to our, our worship service here. We attempt to worship God in spirit and truth. If there's anything that you find that we uh, that, that doesn't fit what you think uh, we should be doing when we worship God, you let us know, and we'll be happy to talk with you uh, about that. Uh, we have, have entered into a series of lessons on uh, church membership. Last Sunday evening, I presented a lesson on uh, the difference between and the relationship between uh, the universal church and the local church. Um, the universal church, we are added to when we obey the gospel. The local church, we take efforts to add ourselves to it. And so um, Chris will today talk about, um, I think he's doing uh, benefits to the member first and then the church later, the group later, or vice versa. But he's going to continue today and then next Sunday um, we'll be talking about uh, membership, local membership and its importance. So um, join in, learn from that. Uh, ask any questions uh, afterward that you might have, and then we'll move forward. I did not write down who is doing what today, um, but uh, we'll, it's been taken care of, I'm sure, and those people will move forward at the appropriate time. So let's bow before we begin. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the opportunity, the privilege, and the honor that we have to come here this morning and assemble as children of yours and worship you, our God. We acknowledge you as our creator, sustainer of life, uh, the one who is the fount of all blessings here and in the life hereafter. We pray, Father, that as we live our lives from day to day on this earth, that we will do everything we can to please you and to model our lives after the, the pattern that we find in the New Testament and in uh, Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for him and for his willingness to come to this earth to bear our sins on the cross and to give us a chance at home in heaven with you throughout eternity. Be with us, Father, as we enter into our worship. May we all enter in with the appropriate attitude and focus so that we can be stronger when we leave than when we entered. We ask his prayer in your son's name. Amen. Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 388. Let every heart rejoice and sing. 388. Let every heart rejoice Thank <laughs> you. 
Praise be seated. <clears throat> Next hymn this morning, number 419. 419. Lord, we come before thee now. We'll sing all four verses, and then Brother Drew Hustle will have our scripture reading and prayer. Lord, we come reading for today comes from John 10, 10 through 13. It says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Let's pray. God, we thank you for another Lord's Day. We're able to uh, come together and to praise you and to encourage one another and to learn more about you. I pray that uh, we'd be aware of, of the traps that are set for us uh, throughout the week and that we can... Uh, come together and encourage one another, not only here, but uh, throughout the week as well, to where uh, we're able to succeed. I just uh, pray our, prepare our hearts for the lesson. I pray that we're able to, uh, to learn and to grow and to use that um, for you. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Next hymn this morning, number 742, 742, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. <clears throat> After this hymn, Brother Jason will have our, our Lord's Supper. <clears throat> when I from Matthew 26 today, if you'd like to turn turn there. One of the um, things we read often, I've read often for the Lord's Supper, is the institution of the Lord's Supper there in Matthew 26, where Jesus takes the bread, offers it to the apostles in the Last Supper, and then the fruit of the vine. We also have often, at least me anyway, often reads the account of Jesus after he is taken into custody and then how he is uh, crucified, put on trial, and then crucified um, 
in his blood and body uh, as we will partake of here in just a few minutes. We, we recognize that and remember that every Sunday. And we will do that here as well. One of the things I would like to focus on today is the, uh, the mental anguish that Jesus went through right before he was uh, arrested. He knew what was going to happen. Obviously, the, the people who were after him did too, but none of his friends did. And they didn't even realize the urgency of what was going on. And it had to be, as we will read here, um, beginning in verse 30, had to be just very, very difficult. And not only did Jesus, you know, sacrifice his body, but as he realized how lonely or how alone he was um, as he was about to be crucified. Matthew chapter 26, verse 30. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, This night you will all fall away because of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter said to them, If they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth. On this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will never deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and became anguished and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved, even to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little farther, he threw himself down with his face on the ground and prayed, My father, if possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, So couldn't you stay awake with me for one hour? Stay awake and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will must be done. He came again and found them sleeping. They could not keep their eyes open. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is approaching, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of the sinners. Get up, let us go. Look. My betrayer is approaching. Jesus knew what was coming. His, uh, his friends, his apostles did not and were asleep. And uh, it was really pretty amazing to, for me anyway to, to think about uh, not only the physical anguish that, that Jesus went through for us, but also the, um, the mental anguish and the, uh, the loneliness that he felt um, right before his uh, crucifixion. So as we uh, remember today, let us remember how much Jesus did sacrifice for us so that we may have uh, eternal life. And let us pray now as we bless the bread and then the fruit of the vine. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you freely. We thank you for all those who are here today, we pray that you will be with each and every one of us, and we pray that you will bless this uh, bread we are partaking, and that we may partake of it in a way that is pleasing unto you and according to your will. We thank you for Jesus, his sacrifice, and we thank you for this memorial, and it's through his name we pray. Amen.
Dear God, again, we come before you thanking you for this fruit of the vine representing Jesus' blood as he died on the cross for us. We pray that we will partake of it in a way that is according to your will. We pray that you will bless it and bless, bless us now. And it's through Jesus we pray. While the men are on the floor, we will take this time to take up the uh, offering. I would like for us to turn to Luke chapter 21, if you'd like to follow along. The first few verses, it's talking about telling the story when Jesus was, uh, I believe they're in the temple. Anyway, he was speaking to a lot of people. Um, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, first one. He also saw a poor widow put into, let me try this again. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. He said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all offered their gifts out of wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything she had to live on. As we give, let us remember that God doesn't tell us how much to give. He just tells us to give um, 
as we uh, as we we get to choose. It's an amazing thing that God gives us that freedom. So let us uh, go to go to God in prayer as we are about to bless this offering. Dear Lord, again we come before you. We thank you for all the blessings you so abundantly give us each and every day. We thank you for all of these things. We pray that our offering today will be pleasing unto you. We pray that it will be done in truth and in spirit and done according to your will. And please, Lord, we pray that you will forgive us if we fall short. And it's through Jesus we do pray. Amen. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 646, The Love of God, 646. <clears throat> so at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour.
Please be seated. The invitation to heaven for this morning, number 754, when Jesus comes, 754, Brother Chris. Air, Air Canada, flight 193, fell out of the sky at 41,000 feet. It didn't have to. They had a problem with their fuel gauges. They had noticed it on the flight before from Edmonton into wherever else it was flying into Canada. It landed there, and they noticed that the gauges weren't working. Well, how do we know how much fuel we have left now? And so they started doing the calculations on it. And the calculations are quite difficult, especially when you have to convert them uh, from liters to kilograms or however they're converting them, they didn't really understand the conversion rate. They didn't really know the conversion rate. And so they put about half as much gas in the plane as was necessary to make the trip to where they were going. So at 41,000 feet up in the air, it runs out of gas. It's known as the Gimli Glider today because it landed on the, uh, at the Gimli Air Force Base uh, it's actually uh, now in a drag strip for, for racing cars. Um, but uh, no one was, was killed. I think 10 people were injured. Um, but the, the pilot, Bob Pearson, uh, is known as a, uh, as a glider pilot. He had actually trained uh, earlier as, uh, as a glider pilot. And so he was able to glide to this plane down 41,000 feet without any fuel. The assumption had been made that this is the right conversion factor, and it was off by half. And so the conversion was given by the guy whose job it is to fill the tanks of gas. And you see, you would expect this guy to know the right conversion rate. He was off because of the, the, the distinction between kilograms to liters and those kinds of things. He was off by half. And so when he did the math... It was wrong. And so when he gave those same figures to the pilot and he double-checked his math because you want, when you're 41,000 feet up in the air, to have double redundancy. And so you want to make sure that these figures are right. And so the pilot rechecked his math. Sure enough, he came up with the exact same number as the original guy had come up with. The problem was they had made an assumption on the, this end of it that wasn't right. Sometimes assumptions will hurt us. And so today we're talking about church membership and what it means to us and how we do that, the benefits and the responsibilities. And I just wanted to start right here with, with the assumptions part because we may have made an assumption that you're a member here and that may not be accurate. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've sat across the table from someone and in a Bible study and we started off the conversation with me saying, tell me, tell me about your baptism. Have you been baptized? And I said, well, yeah, I've been baptized. And I'm a part of the church. And <coughs> excuse me. I say, great, tell, tell me all about that. I want, to know every, I want to know every detail. And so they'll start walking me through it. And, and when we get to the end of the Bible study, we've talked about what baptism looks like. And, and I'll say, well, do you, think you, do you think you're saved now? Do, does your baptism match up to the baptism we find in the New Testament. They'll, they'll kind of hang their heads and say, no, I don't, I don't guess it does. And see, they weren't a member of the Lord's church. Where they? Because they hadn't, God hadn't added them 
to it, but they were, they were making an assumption that what some preacher told them when they were kids or when they came to faith was right. That's an awfully dangerous assumption, isn't it? We don't want to make any assumptions. We're trying to clear the board here. We want to know exactly what's going on. And so we're trying to remove assumptions because Air Canada Flight 193 thought they made an okay assumption. We don't want to make assumptions. Assumptions are too dangerous. It could be you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking that you're a member of the Lord's Church, but maybe we need to sit down and have a Bible study and, and talk about how one is added to the church. That's, that's an assumption that's, that's too dangerous to leave unspoken. Maybe you are a member of the Lord's Church and, and you don't understand really the responsibilities that a member of a church has. That, again, is, is an assumption that's, that's too dangerous to, left, to be left un, unspoken. We need, we need to talk through those things. And so that's why we're doing this series of lessons. It's to make sure that we're all on the same page. We've got an eternity waiting for us. and We want everyone to be there with us. And so that's one of the reasons we're, we're walking through these kinds of, of things this week. Claudia Gray says this about assumptions. She says, it's not the things you don't know that trip you up. It's the things you think you know, but you don't. You fail to ask a certain question because you believe you know the answer. Separating your information from your assumptions can be very tricky business. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to separate our knowledge from our assumptions. And so that's what, that's what we want to do. And so today we're going to talk about membership, and we're looking specifically at the individual. And so kind of approaching this from the angle of what's the difference between someone who comes to a worship service, comes to our worship services, sits in one of our pews, but never actually becomes a member. Maybe you've been doing that for 30 or 40 years. Maybe you've been doing that for two weeks. There's no real distinction here. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of approaching this, this series What's the difference between sitting in a pew and actually being a member? Maybe you've been sitting in that pew for 30 or 40 or 50, 60 years. What's the difference between that and actually being a member of this congregation? Well, there are several benefits. Tom will only allow us to talk about a few of them, but I tried to bring out what I think are the most important ones. I think the most important one, at least for our purposes today, is commitment. <coughs> commitment. Um, if you are dating someone and you find out something about them that you don't like, what do you do? You go find someone else who doesn't have that problem, right? If you're married and you find a problem in your spouse, a character, a flaw, or something that, that you don't appreciate, what do you do? Well, as a Christian, we hold marriage as something that's very valuable. And so we find a way to work through it, right? right? We find a way to make it better. We find a way to, to help. So the very first thing that we need to think through is members stick with it when the going gets tough. Members stick with it when the going gets tough. I've kind of got this in the fill-in-the-blank kind of things for you. So... 
Um, if you want to write these things down, I think they'd be helpful for you. But flip over to John chapter 10. John 10. This is the passage that was read for us this, this morning. John chapter 10. Starting in verse 10, this is Jesus referring to himself. He's talking, right? His emphasis is really on him being the good shepherd. He wants you to know that that he is the good shepherd. And he came to give us life, but not just any kind of life, but abundant, overflowing, good life, right? But he's going to tell us something else in the midst of this that is helpful for us today. What he says in verse 12, John 10, verse 12 He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. So just stop right there for a second. So the shepherd looks off in the distance. He's got the sheep behind him. Maybe they're out in pasture. But as it does in the Middle East, a predator will come in. And its goal is to kill one of the sheep that's in that's behind the shepherd. And so if the shepherd doesn't actually own the sheep, if he's just simply getting there, or if he's just simply there to get a paycheck, he doesn't care anything about the sheep. He's just there for the money, right? He's not going to sacrifice his life for the sheep. When he sees a bear coming towards the sheep, you know what he's going to do? Right here. <laughs> you like lamb chop or should I souffle it for you? you know, like... So he's going to let the bear have the sheep. Members stick with it when the going gets tough. Because we're not just hired hands, are we? Verse 13, Jesus says he flees because he's just a hired hand. He didn't, he didn't really care anything about the sheep. And Jesus is using this to say, I'm, I'm the shepherd. I'm the one who's going to lay down my life for you, I care about you. Buy into, buy into me. Come in with me. Share the vision with me. Um, we're using it for slightly different purposes today. We're not hired hands. You care about this congregation. If you're a member, that's one of the things that members do is you, you care about this congregation. So when the going gets tough, you stick with it. You find a way to make it better. You find a way to help. It's like our marriage illustration earlier. This is the difference between commitment and not committed. That, that's one of the things that a member of this congregation gets that, that someone who's just attending doesn't, doesn't understand maybe. And so that's one of the things I wanted to, to tease out for you today. If you're dating someone and you all of a sudden find that they snore or that they chew with their mouth open or whatever, they, have, they don't cover their mouth and they sneeze or whatever, and you find this, this thing in them that you do not like, what happens in your mind? You kind of probably kick that around for a little bit, and every time they eat spaghetti, you're like, ah. I've got to go, <laughs> right? You just can't stand the chewing the mouth open thing or, or what they blow bubbles or whatever with bubble gum and that's obnoxious or maybe their breath stings or whatever. If you're dating someone and you come across someone like that, 
and it just kind of keeps coming up, you go find somebody else to date, right? No big deal. This obviously isn't the one. <laughs> we'll, we'll go find someone else today. But if you're married and you come across something like that, you stick with it, right? You're committed. That person's your person. That's what we're saying here. This is your congregation. You stick with it. You find a way to fight through the battles, to fight through the hard times. You're committed here. You're not looking for other places. You're committed here. You're not just a hired hand. You're willing to sacrifice for this congregation. Flip over to Philippians 2. This commitment runs both ways. It's not just uh, in the negative, it's also in the positive. Philippians chapter 2. Verses 25 through 30. So not only are you going to stick with it, not only are you going to stick here if it gets tough, but since you're committed to this congregation, you're looking for ways to make her better. You're looking for ways to make, make her better. Think about it like this. You live in a rental house, and the driveway's got those cracks in it. Do any of you guys have cracks in your driveway, and they're a little obnoxious, and you get little pebbles in there, and grass starts coming up, and you're like, Ugh. I want to do something about that. But it's a rental house, and so are you going to spend $5,000 to have it repaved? Of course not, right? Derek would say, yes, you need to do that. <laughs> but those of us who live in a rental house, you know, like, no, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to do that, right? What if, uh, what if it needs new windows? You've got a, you got a leaky window that you, that you sit beside sometimes, and uh, when it's cold, remember when it was so cold a couple of weeks ago, and it was like negative one, and you were sitting beside that window, and it was just blowing through there, right? You thought, man, this is killing my energy bill. My power bill is going to be $3,000 this month. If that's a rental house, what do you do? Well, you put up tape, or you do something, and you just kind of ignore it, right? You certainly don't spend the next two or $3,000 fixing the windows. What if it's got a leaky roof? It's just kind of dripping down on your couch or whatever. If it's a rental house... You call the landlord and say, hey, but you don't fix it with your own money, right? Because it's just a rental. But if it's your house, what do you do? You fix all those things immediately, right? Just as fast as you can do them, you fix them, right? That's the difference between being committed and not being committed, if you're committed to this congregation, you're actively looking for ways to make, make her better. You're pouring your time, your money, your talents into every endeavor we do. You're thinking, how can we do better? Look what he says here in Philippians 2, 25 through 30. He's talking about a guy named Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus has some impressive faith. He is a Philippian, but he's not in Philippi right now. He's with Paul right now. And it's just about killed him being with Paul. He's gotten sick um, and, and he, he's, he stayed with Paul, ministering to him during this time period. Um, what I want you to see is his 
he stuck with it, right? And he found a way to make the church better. Philippians 2.25. I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing to see, for he has been longing for you all, and has been distressed because he heard that because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Paul says this guy sees a hole in the Philippian congregation. He sees a need, and he says, I can fill that, and I will. But it's a really long journey from Philippi to where Paul's at. It's dangerous, Epaphroditus. That's okay. I'm willing to sacrifice for the congregation because I'm committed here. What, what, if, what if you get robbed? What if you get sick? That's okay. I'm willing to sacrifice for the congregation because I'm, I'm, I'm committed here. And he does. All those things happen. It's kind of the worst case scenario for Epaphroditus. But he seems happy that he's been able to fill the goal, fill the hole. His commitment continues. And now he's looking forward to go back to the Philippian congregation and help in other ways. Here's a committed guy. Maybe you've, you've heard the saying, um, worked like a borrowed mule. When, when I was in high school, uh, I went, uh, this, there was a member of the congregation there that had a hay field. And he needed um, somebody to go out and throw the hay up on the, up on the, uh, the wagon. And I don't like that. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't like that until I didn't like it. And uh, he was not paying me enough to, to, for that, <laughs> as I found out later. And I worked like a borrowed mule that day. And you guys that have bailed hay know that's hard work, right? Especially in the middle of Tennessee summer. Up in the, the hayloft, it's like 9,000 degrees in there. Anyhow, worked like a borrowed mule, right? Where does that saying come from? Like, that's someone else's animal that they've lent to someone else. And that person doesn't care anything about the animal. They don't care whether, whether they work it so hard that it dies. They don't care if they work it so hard that they've done irreparable damage to it. They, they, they've got a job and this animal is going to help get that job done. And so they work it like a borrowed mule. You may work in this congregation like a borrowed mule, but it's at your own it's under your own power. That, that's the kind of mindset that we have. No one's forcing us to work like that. We want to work like that. I'm willing to sacrifice myself to work in this fashion. If you're a member here at Rome, your commitment is implied. It ought to be redundant to say a, a committed member but in our culture, you, you, can, you can be in an organization or a church even 
and for, for decades and not be committed. So maybe we need double redundancy, like, like flight um, 193 from, from Air Canada. So if you're a member here, your commitment is implied. Final thing, there it is. Members look for ways to make Rome better. Benefit number two is accountability. <coughs> Flip over to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. <coughs> We're going to look there in verses 1 and 2. If you're a member here, you feel more free to share your struggles than if you were just attending. There's something about that level of commitment where you look at the person across the pew from you and say, you're in this with me. Your, your pains are my pains and... And your joys are my joys, and that's, that's a Bible thing, right? They, Paul tells us in Romans 12 to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And so in the church, members share each other's struggles and joys. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual shall restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. This is one of the joys we get, one of the benefits we get in membership in the local church. And you don't find it if you're, if you're just attending. If, if you're just hanging out here, you, you won't find this. If you're not plugged in, if you're not a member, you won't find this kind of accountability. Because this kind of accountability only really shows up when you're linked with people. It's one of the benefits of being a member here. Is that we get to share each other's struggles and, and our joys. We get to hold each other accountable. We get to push each other toward heaven. There's also responsibilities that we have toward the church. Those are the benefits. We, commitment and, and, and uh, accountability. These are benefits to being in the church. There's also responsibilities of being in the church. One of those, I think the most important one maybe, is the responsibility of every member to promote Rome's vision into our community. Flip over to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. When you joined Rome, when you, when you placed your membership here, you were buying into the vision we have for the kingdom. How, how we look at God's kingdom and how we affect it, what we do, right? And so when you placed your membership here, you said, I align with that. I, I believe that because you, you could go to a variety of, churches of Christ in this area that have similar but different visions than, than ours. But when you became a member here at Rome, you said, that's the vision that I have for the church. That's how I want to work. These are things that 
I care about and you care about them too. And so let's, let's pull together. Let's go together. When you become a member here at Rome, you promote that vision across our community. If you're not, that brings shame on the church. If you're conveying a different vision than what we're conveying or not conveying a vision at all, at the very least, you're sending mixed signals, confusion to our community. Let me give you a couple of examples. Have you ever wondered why? Do you guys remember VeggieTales? I remember VeggieTales. I like VeggieTales. Do you remember, do you remember when VeggieTales kind of went under and, and they were starting to struggle financially? That, that happened. Um, why didn't Disney just buy VeggieTales? They were, they were kind of wildly successful, right? And they're right in Disney's wheelhouse. They're, they're a kid's program, animated. Why didn't Disney just buy VeggieTales, buy the rights to VeggieTales? And they could have owned it. You know why? Because it's not on Disney's brand. Disney doesn't like that kind of vision for, for kids. They don't, that's not what they do. They have a different vision, less good vision. <laughs> but but that's, that's off-brand for them. And so they didn't do that. There's a variety of really well-done children's Bible stories. You know how many of those are on Disney? Not a single one of them. Weird, isn't it? Because it's completely off-brand. It's off-vision for Disney to do that. Let me give you another one. Do you remember IHOP? Remember back in 2018, IHOP decided that they wanted to change their name. Do you remember this? Not the only one. So I think it was like in the summer of 2018, IHOP said, we don't want to be the International House of Pancakes anymore. We want to become the International House of Burgers. And do you remember your confusion at that? I remember thinking, what, why would you want to do that? That's an awful idea. You've got a legitimately good product that you've spent decades building up. Everyone knows IHOP. Nobody knows IHOP. And so what, what are you trying to do here? This is completely off-brand. It was confusing to the world, right? It, they changed it so fast. Um, it actually went back to IHOP that same week. And now, they, now they're calling it a, a marketing ploy. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but whatever. But it was completely off-brand for them, right? That is the confusion of the world when a member here doesn't have the same vision as the church. At least it ought to be. Matthew 22. Members buy into the vision of Rome. Matthew 22. Not the city, but this church. <laughs> Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. Listen to what he says. But when the Pharisee heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. That's our vision, right? And how we go about accomplishing that vision. That's, that's what you've bought into when you said, I want to be a member here. I want to do it like, like that. But when you become a member here, that's, that's what you promote. 
I love God with everything I've got. And I'm living on that brand. I'm living on that vision. I lean into that vision. And I'm going to love my neighbors like I love myself. That's who I am. That's who, that's who this church is. And so when we convey and when we live out a message different than that, it's just confusing. Like IHOP, trying to be IHOP. Responsibility number two. If you're, if you're a member here, you need to come with a plan. You need to come with a plan. Um, we've got several passages here that we need to take time to look at. Hebrews chapter 10 uh, is the first one. You're probably familiar with a variety of these. Bear with me just for a minute or two, and we'll, we'll go through these very quickly. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Members work the plan in the Bible. You know, God has a plan for us, for members of each local congregation. He's got a plan. In fact, he tells you what that plan is. There are 59 one another passages in the Bible. There are 59 times when God says, this is how you treat one another. In my church, this is how you treat one another. This is what you do. 59 times. We're going to look at four of them. You can read the other 55 later. But 59 times when he looks at the church and says, this is how you treat one another. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. When you come to worship, verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, right? Our job is to encourage each other, to stir, provoke, is the word he uses here. In some translations, it's a good word. Take away the negative connotations of provoke, and you've got the idea. You provoke one another to love and to good works. These are things that are difficult in our culture, but in the church, we encourage them. And so that's one of the things that we, that we do as members here. We stimulate one another to love and good works. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, we find another one. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with, thanks, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. When we're here, we teach and admonish. We do that through songs. We also do it through the sermon. We do it through the Lord's Supper like Jason did this morning. We do that through our prayers. We teach and admonish. That's one of the things that we do with our time together. It's one of the things that's so important for our members here. So everyone's on the same page. So everyone's on working the same vision. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he gives you another one. He's just talked about uh, the second coming. Uh, the Thessalonians had a problem with the second coming. They didn't understand it. And so he wants them to understand it. And so he walks through what it's going to look like in, in the previous verses. And in verse 18, he says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. That's one of the things that we do for each other. We encourage each other. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. Last one we're going to talk about is, is giving. One of the responsibilities we have is to, to support financially uh, this congregation. It's not something we ask uh, visitors to do. It's not something we ask outsiders to do. It's something that we, that we do. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1, he says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so also are you to do on the first day of every week. Each one of you, there's our word, each of you is to <coughs> put something aside 
and store it up as he may prosper. So there will be no collecting when I come. So that's one of the things that we, we support financially this congregation so that we can do the things that promote our vision, not only in our community, but in the world. And so there are benefits and there are also responsibilities to being a member in this congregation. We talked about a couple of those today, but there, there's so many more. There's so many other responsibilities. There's also so many other benefits. There's two sides to both uh, of these coins. And so I'd love to sit here for the next long time and talk about those things and draw out, tease out those things. Um, we're just out of time, but maybe maybe these couple on each one of these categories have, have stimulated your thinking. Maybe you're maybe you're wondering about your own salvation. That would be something we would love to sit down with you and think through. We'd love to sit down and study the Bible with you about that. If uh, if you're struggling and you're a member here, uh, we want to pray with you in any way we can. We want to help you in any way we can. Uh, and praying is is what, one of the things that we can do to to aid you in that. And so, if you have any need this morning, why don't you come as we stand and sing. When Jesus comes to reward his bride, with the red baby's glory, faithful to him will he find us watching with our lips all grim and bright. Oh, can we stay in our age, ready for the arrival? Good morning, church family. A couple of announcements before we are dismissed. As a reminder, if you're in Life Group 1, um, uh, you'll be eating um, with uh, your Life Group after services uh, this morning. Uh, taco Bar is on the menu, so uh, please stick around for that. Also, uh, high school and middle school devotional tonight at my house. Um, we'll have a small devotional and uh, watch some of the Super Bowl. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Um, also, uh, don't forget this Monday is the marriage seminar at 6.30. 
Um, so if you um, are married or you're planning on getting married, um, maybe not now, maybe later down the road, and um, you want to hear what marriage is all about, please come to the seminar. We'd love to have you. Uh, there's some cards out in the foyer table. Grab one, hand it to your friend or neighbor, um, and uh, we'd love to have you for that, and that's at 6.30 on Monday. Uh, deacons, there's a meeting next Sunday on February 19th, uh, so all deacons, please come to that. And also, Life Group 3 um, they're hosting a game night on sun, that Sunday night on the 19th as well. Everyone is invited to come to that. Um, I know it's a holiday weekend, so you don't have to. You may have to work. You may not have to work. I don't know your schedule, but I know the kids don't have school, so uh, all the kids are invited to come to stay for that, and it should be a lot of fun. Um, also, there's a sign-up sheet on the bulletin board for CYC snacks. If you can help out with that, please sign up. And also, uh, not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday, will be Young at Heart, and we are heading to Cheddar's, and would love to have you uh, come with us uh, on, that, uh, on that trip. Um, remember, continuing our prayers, uh, Jimmy Wilgus, Terry Leap, Jennifer Baker, and Amber Spitzer, as they're dealing with their cancer and the treatments at this time, just keep them in your prayers um, and their families in your prayers at this time. Also, Rod Dunphy's doing better. He's at home. Um, keep him in your prayers as he's recovering. And also, I'd uh, like to ask for prayers for Jamie Estes. That's my nephew. He's a senior in high school this year. Uh, he's been in Vanderbilt uh, Hospital last week, got out. Now he's back in Vanderbilt Hospital again with uh, pain. And um, But keep uh, Jamie in your prayers as well. That's all the announcements I have. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at 6 o'clock. We will sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Sorry. Yes. Dana Edwards' body was found Friday. Uh, nephew's body. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Yeah, keep the Edwards family in your prayers. Um, anything on the viewing or nothing on funeral arrangements? Okay. All right. That's, anybody else have anything else? Let us please stand. We'll sing hymn number 746. When he comes in glory. We'll sing the first and last verse, and after that, Brother Andy Pittman. Oh, how sweet will be to me when he comes in glory by I am. 
Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this amazing, this amazing world you provided for us to, to partake in, Father, and to see your, your majesty and your, your strength and your, your, just your awesome wonder. We, we pray that we, we continually find amazement in the things that we see in life that you have provided for us. Lord, we thank you for the, the people in our lives that you have surrounded us with, Father, that we may be uplifting to them, Father, they may also be uplifting to us, and that we all may find you together and fo follow closely, more closely, the life that you have desired for us. Lord, be with us all as we depart from here. Help us to, to take your love to the world and show the world your majesty. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.